Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today we're delighted to be joined by Ella St. John McGrand. And um, she is a mindset coach and TV producer and a sober shiro hero. Um, and yeah, we just are really, really happy to talk to her about her journey, about what um, what she does as a coach and um, a little bit about what sobriety has brought up for her personally in her kind of life and, and journey. Um, so we always start with a check-in and saying hi. So hi, Ella, how are you doing? Hi, hi, Mandy. Hi, Kate. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, all good. Very glad. So where, where are you joining us from? Where do you live? I live in East London. I live on the Isle of Dogs, um, which isn't a made-up place. Um, it's with three-side water, <laughs> but it is a real place in London. <laughs> Yeah. it's like a mythical place isn't it yeah. there's a film called the isle of dogs isn't there yeah West yeah. That's it. yeah so it's yeah. not like oh, i'm not gonna be stupid it's not like that no <laughs> i wish it was like that <laughs> i don't think i've ever been to the isle of dogs come down come visit us we're very friendly we're very friendly <laughs> we are i know i don't have a cockney accent but i am born and bred here like honestly oh okay so that's where you grew up as well yeah yeah and you Kate how are you doing I'm all right yeah I mean we were, we've had a bit of a bonkers week haven't we um in which I, I literally have no idea what's going on no, we have to <laughs> what here. no. and like, yesterday yesterday was my four-year soberversary yeah oh well thank you I'm really rinsing this because now this will come out a week later and I'm still bloody talking about it <laughs> Hell up, get over it um but because and and it was really weird because basically I spent the entire day in bed, right? And um and it's because we had a really bonkers time the day before and we recorded the podcast and on a host of barbecue and did all this stuff and then I spent the entire day in bed. It was I just couldn't move. And um then this um like these but I said to Mandy, these people came round who my my um, daughter does a kind of young carers group in the town that we live and um, because they're not meeting up they bring them stuff like they bring them sweets and pens and craft and stuff and drop them off it's really nice and I opened the door at about like one o'clock in the afternoon and I had my pajamas on and I got this like old t-shirt on with holes on that says um dance all night and sleep all day on it right how am I going to was like really hung over or something and I, I got busted and then they were going to call social services on me or something you know what I mean because I was like it was a real late one and it was like late for me it's like 10 o'clock and then I just thought I can't get into explaining it all but that kind of made me feel a bit weird I was like oh no I feel really unsettled now and they got they've gone away thinking I've they said and then yeah. Ella came down to say hello to them because I said Ella do you want to come and say hello Jennifer's here and she went she came down with her hoodie on, like on the phone, going, I'm so tired. You know, it's like an all nighter. Yeah, it's like it wasn't. You went to bed at 10 o'clock. So amazing. So, yeah, I'm all right. But it's just, uh, I'm really trying to recover from the drama of the week, really. The drama and the busyness already of the week. So, yeah. Like I said earlier, I'm a bit of a loose cannon. So, Mandy's going to do most of the questions and I'm just going to try and not talk. <laughs> And just let Ella, oh no, sorry, let Ella talk because you're actually yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So what Good. about you, Mans? How are you? Um, I am all right. I'm better today. I had a three-day no-sleep kind of Ooh. major. And, yeah, I get really bad insomnia. So I, I sleep at least kind of generally uh, at least twice a week I'll sleep on the sofa but yeah it was like a proper bad spell just really kind of overwhelmed and just like what I gotta do that and oh my god and, and mum guilt as well it's like you know if yeah. you down all the stuff that's going on for both of us it's a bit like you yeah. say what what you know what you, what you, yeah what, what yeah so we're doing you know so we're selling our house and then there was a complication with that and then yeah obviously moving and then it's been really hot here like mm. 35 degrees so that's never and then I got I got two mosquitoes sorry we will talk you know to you in a minute <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got two mosquito bites two on my face which is really unfair and then one on the back of my heel just like come on man what's going on oh, so yeah we'll stop I'll stop stop moaning well, now I thought but, I'd get um, the first swear in Ella so if yeah. you want to crack on with any swearing later you can don't worry there'll be lots of swearing my nickname is sweary Ella so <laughs> <laughs> I love sweary Ella yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're delighted you're here and we always sort of start the interview by talking a little bit about your sober journey and what um brought you to the decision to yeah go alcohol free so if you could start there would be great so I started drinking when I was about 17 and um which I've been told is quite late for someone uh, that's how mad drinking is in the society I guess and I think for me it was a way to blow off steam I've always been an overachiever I've always worked really hard at school and then going to university it's obviously a big drinking culture freshers week all of that I threw myself into it because I was like this is fun get to meet loads of new people and then that kind of cycle of binge drinking for nights out or on the weekend and then going for kind of weeks without drinking continued throughout my 20s and then um, I used to be a French teacher before I worked in TV and before I trained to be a coach and when I was a French teacher, it was very, obviously very stressful. Um, I loved it, but it was a lot of work, as you know. And then I noticed that my drinking was gradually increasing and getting slightly out of hand. I'd kind of get into situations or do things that I really regretted. Um, and the anxiety would last for long periods of time. And then when I left teaching, which was five years ago now, gosh, how time flies, um, I decided, okay, I'm going to have a break. I'm going to stop drinking because um, I'm going to move into a new career now so I can be a new Ella. So I had a period of sobriety for six months um, through sheer force of willpower alone and not looking at my reasons for drinking, why I'd been drinking that way. Um, so unsurprisingly, it came to an end because I thought, fuck it, it's too hard. Um, I don't feel any better. What's the point? Um, and I carried on drinking. And then that carried on and then I turned 30 last year and a couple of weeks after my 30th birthday I was at a good friend's Hindu and we've been drinking all day it was really fun it was a beautiful it was a beautiful day like so it was fantastic um however I there was a moment when I looked over at a bottle of Prosecco and I'm pretty sure I drank a whole bottle to myself by that point and it was probably about five o'clock in the evening I thought I don't know why I'm doing this 
I can't do this anymore. I'd had that kind of internal voice and internal nudge coming up quite strongly for a few months before that incident. And then I thought, I can't do it. So I left, um, cried all the way home on the district line, (laughs) all the way back across um, to East London. And then the next day, that that was it. And then I stopped. Um, That's how I stopped. Um, So yeah, it wasn't like a a very dramatic rock bottom moment, but I think it was just the culmination of it not working out and me desperate to find a way out and to feel good again, because I couldn't quite figure out why I'd been feeling so rotten. And then when it clicked that it was the drinking, I thought, well, that's the solution to now stop drinking. However, I need to go about it in a different way from what I'd previously tried a few years before. Um, So that's how I stopped drinking. Well, it's amazing that you had that kind of clarity that sort of you know from someone who was it was like years and years of round and round with that like you you mentioned that internal nudge though that internal voice like that was like maybe 15 years for me that was going on so the fact that you did I mean how long do you think that bit was that when you knew it wasn't working to when you were like actually that's it I think it was probably about six months I would say um before I stopped drinking it it kind of like kept on coming up and then after drinking I'd feel awful and I'd be like why am I drinking this way um and then I was looking back on how I'd acted before when I'd been really outrageously drunk and thinking is that really who I am yes I am very opinionated and outspoken but not to that extent of really really pissing people off or getting into situations that I don't recognize myself or getting into behaviours like that. So I think it was just that gradual voice coming up and saying, you need to stop drinking. I think what also really helped at the time was that I was training to be a coach. And because we were doing so many exercises about self-awareness and I was practising coaching other people and being coached on myself, I think it created a bit more space within me to kind of connect to what was really going on. So I'm so grateful for my coaching training for that. Um, I think the self-awareness was there. It just needed to come out, as it were. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's quite interesting because, you know, obviously I've talked, we talked to Millie on the podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a similarity with, with her in the sense that she didn't start drinking, you know, really until she was at university. And and, and then it was that kind of university experience of like binge drinking and and. And actually quite a short period. And I think that maybe that is, I mean, it's quite hopeful in a way in comparison to us that's a little bit older. Um, You know, when we started drinking, you know, I started drinking regularly when I was 14 um, and and then didn't, you know, really start quitting until I was in my 30s, sort of late 30s, mid 30s. you know that that there is that kind of insight happening a bit earlier perhaps um which is great I mean really encouraging Mm. um so what yeah what support did you have what you mentioned coaching which is again really interesting that that played a part in that kind of personal development but what groups or resources helped you when you were starting out so I um, I didn't join AA or a kind of program like that because I didn't identify as an alcoholic. So I thought it wasn't for me. So I thought, I know this is a really strange way to think about it, but I thought, okay, how can I use what I'm good at to make sobriety easier? 
and I'm a bookworm. I love learning. Um, so I thought, why don't I just read loads of Quitlet, have all the information, and then that will make me feel more secure in my decision. So I kind of like binge read, if you can say that, like so much Quitlet. So um, starting with Unexpected Joy Being Sober by Catherine Gray and then just going on from that. But I think the book that really helped me the most was Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, which came out a bit later into my sobriety. But I think the way she wrote about it and how women are targeted by the alcohol industry and also that alcohol is a way of keeping women small and it's actually mm. a feminist issue um, and that we should also be more politically engaged um, and aligned and how particular groups of people are marginalised um, even from recovery, um, that really spoke to me as a mixed race woman. It was just that was the book that I was like, yeah, this is this is amazing. I want more of this, please. Um, so that really helped me. And then um, obviously I met Millie, um, and Millie and I actually went to the same university, which is really funny. So we've got like loads of parallels. It's such a small world. Ah, yeah. We, so you went to Brighton as well. Yeah, we both were at Sussex. Yeah, we crossed. Okay. Over, we crossed over one year at the end. We both figured this out. So it's so funny because I knew I recognised her. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, because Kate, Kate, and I—I I mean, I went to Brighton Uni, um, and Kate and I discovered. I mean, we met on on Soberistas on the forum. Mm. That's how we met initially. Um, and we worked out that we actually lived like a road away from each other in Brighton. Hey, so we probably would have drank in the same pub, yeah, you know. The Brunswick at the end on Lansdowne Place. Yeah. So, yeah, she was on Alice Road and I was on Lansdowne Place. And it was just basically the next street. Yeah. So the Brighton connection. There you go. Well, it's all Brighton. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I love Brighton. Mm. Love it. Um, yeah. And uh, so going to events through Sober Girl Society really helped me um, to connect with people around my own age who decided to stop drinking. And then um, my family were very, very supportive. They were just like, be happy. My mum's not a big drinker, so that was fine. Um, and yeah, yeah, just had support from them and my and my um, my sisters especially and who were much younger than me. And that's how I kind of got through it. I kind of I guess, made my own sort of way into sobriety that fits for me um, and especially connecting with other people and reading lots and, and listening to your podcast as well, which I did a lot in early sobriety yeah. <laughs> while in the bath. It helped me a lot. Um, I think just the hearing other people's stories, just that really resonated with me and it makes you think, oh, I'm not alone or I'm not crazy for wanting to do this. Um, I don't have to reach the point of being an alcoholic as people would define it I can choose to get off early yeah 100% or empowered in that really helped shift my mindset um and since then I've I've never regressed it it's hands down the best decision I've ever made like mm -hmm. yeah I love that I love it I love it and it's so encouraging I mean I we talk about this a lot I mean I'm always a big um supporter of youth you know like I I've, I've kind of had my time do you know what I mean like I can but I, you know I really support young young people coming through and that's why I do I mean I have a love-hate thing with social media but you know it as a platform for social change and f for you know people I mean young people just are so clued up my kids are just so clued up in a way that you know I I wasn't and it's really encouraging and and, and it just feels really good that 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 sort of 
10 year generation below us are being able to make that decision longer you know between that like first bit and then six months later do you know I think it's very much that thing about there being opportunities to connect with people who you resonate with and that provide positive models because you know I knew that I wanted I I I went to AA when I was 28 or something and I was really still like you know the uh, you know, looking like a normal drinker to anyone else. But I was like, this is not right. That's mm-hmm. what was available. So I didn't give up till I was in my 40s, you know, like we took fast forwarding 15, 18 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so many people I know on Soberistas, like who are the older ladies giving up, it was when that became available, that's when they were able to quit. So it's like this yeah, they were in their great f- need for these positive forums and diversity yeah. Mm. and somewhere that that fits rather than this ridiculous hackneyed old negative stereotypes yeah absolutely yeah I mean I was I was writing about it today actually doing a synopsis and I you know now we have a term for being sober curious which Mm. didn't exist but like if I actually trace back my story like you know I met my my boyfriend my husband you know when I was 22 um so we've been together for 18 years and his sister is a lifelong teetotaler, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it blew my mind. So I was sober curious from the age of 22 when I met her because mm-hmm. I can remember just being like, what, you don't drink whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and she was this cool, chic Parisian woman that drank like posh tea, you know, and still went to all the festivals with us, was, a, you know, had an, you know, avid reader, just like read loads of books, really stylish. And I, and it, I was just like, I want it was really sort of aspiring like mm-hmm. I, I want to be her I was like how can I be her but like that yeah there's no way that it got any further in my head than mm-hmm. than that at that point so yeah so tell us a little bit I mean you mentioned there this kind of being mixed you know from mixed heritage mm-hmm. and reading Holly's book and that kind of that piece of being politically engaged or, or you know the the lack of diversity and representation, I suppose, in sober spaces, because this is something that obviously we feel very passionate about too. Um, yeah. So wh- how did that kind of, where did that journey in your head go to go, oh, actually, hang on a second, this is important to me, like in a, in a different way? I think, um, I think I've always, so obviously I've always known that I'm mixed race and been kind of engaged with my family background. Um, but I think there was a degree to which I kind of played it down or didn't want to think about it too much because I think there's very much an assumption when you're black and British that you just keep quiet and, you know, racism isn't the same here as it is in the States. Um, so just get on with it. And I think I kind of carried on in that way for for many years, never really questioned it, never really called up people for making racist remarks or microaggressions or didn't really know how to recognize it um I didn't want to kind of rock the boat as it were um the only time I would rock the boat funnily enough would be when I was drunk and then it would all come out because I thought oh now I can speak freely about how I feel but I can't do this in my normal life um and then since stopping drinking um last year I was working on a series about the history of slavery and it was obviously very, very intense. Um, and something in me, it just it resonated on a whole new level because I had that emotional bandwidth um, and mental capacity to really critically engage with it and think about 
what it means to me to be of mixed heritage, to have that legacy. And then I started thinking about the lack of diversity in a lot of spaces. Um, and it's something hopefully that is changing within sobriety, but reading um, about it in Holly Whitaker's book, Quit Like a Woman, and how she said how a lot of people of colour feel they aren't represented in recovery spaces and how it's harder sometimes for them to access treatment and then there are other cultural norms or ideas that have to be taken into consideration and just made me think about it on a whole new level um, and also the intersectionality of it all. Um, yeah, I'm mixed race. I'm also... I would say I'm middle class, so I do have more access to things than somebody who's from a working class background. So it's just all of these sort of things and identity took on a, no, a new kind of meaning for me. Um, and I think it's really important to, for people to understand who are from a different background that, yes, sobriety is an option for you as well. There might be some other kind of cultural things that need to be taken into consideration, but there's no reason why it's not possible for you. And I think if more people of colour see themselves represented in those spaces, then they feel like they can talk about it. Because, um, yeah, that, that's what I think about it. There are obviously great role models. There's Africa Brooke. Um, but apart from her, when I first started looking on Instagram, I couldn't really see anyone else. Um, there are a few more accounts now, which is great. Um, but I think there is another layer to being sober and when you are non-white because unfortunately when you're not white you are kind of politicized if that makes sense and people kind of force their own labels of you onto you um just because you you look different this in quotation marks so I think a lot of my sobriety now has been coming to sort of reconcile and recalibrate my identity and define myself for who I am as opposed to what society thinks I am and I think yeah not drinking alcohol gives you the headspace to be able to do that. Um, yeah, and it's interesting you you mentioned that kind of microaggression mm. element, you know, because like what we've, you know, through our own kind of journeys and learning about sort of adverse childhood experiences and, and trauma and, and all these things that kind of add up to that profile of who might develop a problematic relationship with alcohol, mm. you know, as you know, if you have had consistent microaggressions, those are traumas, you know, consistent traumas of growing up. And so and, and this is, you know, we talked with with um, uh, Matthew Todd, who wrote um, uh, Straightjacket, The Legacy of Gay Shame. And his story is very much about that being othered as a gay man. Um, and, you know, and, and the same talking to Scott, you know, and, and, and again, it's that sort of for whatever reason, you know, and and racism being such a kind of obvious and evident one that is problematic, mm -hmm. you know, that the fact that people aren't talking about that or that being, you know, a, an element to be very much protected and looked after and and to have services specifically, you know, to recognise that um, is hugely problematic. Um, and I'm really sort of well, you know, I mean, I'm not glad we're having these conversations, but yeah, we, we had Shari Hampton, who's a amazing, um, served up sober in the, in America. And she's, a, a, you know, I met her when I was in America. She's an amazing woman. And just, you know, I guess it's like, at least now we can move forward trying to have both diverse, but also safe spaces to be able to talk amongst people that understand. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I think I think that I think that's it. And 
yeah and as always I can only speak to my own experience of being of being others but I think there is something about feeling separate because you don't fit society's norm and then drinking is obviously a way to fit in and Mm. be popular especially at university it's your kind of it's the currency it's the social currency to make friends um it's the way to fit in really really quickly so I think there was that element of me wanting just to kind of fit in with the crowd and not look too deeply at why I didn't feel like I belonged like I was out of place there when I had as much right to be there as anybody else um so I think it's definitely something about separation not belonging and then you having to reconcile that when you are over and look at your identity and think well I might not fit into this white western male idea of whatever it is beauty standards that's another rant of course for another day (laughs) but I'm okay I'm my own person and all these things make me who I am and it's now not that I've never been not proud of being of having black heritage but now I'm more proud of it I feel like I'm more in touch with it that it's something not to feel bad about whereas I think before you're kind of made to feel painful mm. about being different when you can't change that about yourself it's just who you are mm. um, yeah. so it's something that I've been kind of grappling with and realized through sobriety um I have had- yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I, I, I feel a bit like that about sort of the mental health topic and, mm. and also the neurodiverse topic because that's a whole other that's another othering isn't it I, I'm now following people some autistic um, neurodiverse accounts on Instagram and the othering that goes on in that world is unbelievable because again it's almost like that's not that's sort of hidden isn't it it's hidden and you just think people are bad or stupid or mm. uh, and whatever and um and there's but what for whatever situation I love what you said about then having the pride it's like once you can talk about it and have your voice heard and there's a pride that comes through I think that's really beautiful what you said about that and again like you said you can speak to your own way of being othered and it's like yeah that that I don't know in in like from my experience how it is for you but that resonates with me in that otheredness I, I definitely I hear, hear you with that yeah, and yeah, that's a lovely thing when people go, yeah, it, it's, and it's almost like there's the hat that this, I don't know whether I'm saying the right things or not, um, but it feels like there's a bit of a, 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 yeah, there's a recognition. I don't want to use the me too moment because that also has its own meaning, but there is that, there's that nod, isn't there? There's that, uh, yeah. the, a common, uh, common humanity common, through, yes, humanity. through sobriety, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's why, yeah it's that kind of and also I think it's that recognition it's just like I don't you're that every story matters and it's like they're all different but they all have value and it's like of course that mattered to you like of course that was complicated and and challenging and um you know and 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 hurtful rather than just going oh god yeah well you know that's life it's like oh my god you know what happened to you god okay yeah that of course that must have been really hard um which is what I love about having these conversations and just you know being able to connect in that way Mm. um so what's been your area of personal growth the biggest area of personal growth that you've noticed (laughs) (laughs) I feel like 
I feel like being sober has just affected me in so many positive ways. Um, I think, as I said, kind of being more aware of my Afro heritage and putting that into context for myself and being able to reevaluate what's happened in my life and um, different instances and different moments. I'm like, okay, so that's maybe why that happened and this is why I reacted that way. Um, So I think it's made me a lot more self-aware. I think it's made me more um, empathetic towards other people and that's definitely also from training to be a coach um I think I'm much more willing to listen to other people um and also I've noticed that it's made me be aware of my um preconceived judgments of others um so again when I was working on that series about slavery there was another colleague um and I judged them immediately by how they looked, the fact that they went to a private school, all of that, because I thought, oh, you've walked in here, it's been easy for you. And then when I got to know them and discovered that actually they don't drink and they had their own journey to sobriety, I was like, oh, okay, so as always, you have much more in common than you don't. Um, so I think that lesson has really come round in sobriety. So I think hopefully being bit less judgmental still working on it um but definitely growing in that respect (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's really resonates with me as well and so what's what are your kind of like self-care practices how do you do it how do you do how do you stay sober Hmm. um in early sobriety um was a lot, a lot of reading of quit lit um and a lot of baths and just a lot of downtime a lot of chill time and um, a lot of exercise um, just to kind of burn off that nervous energy because I like to go out to blow off steam. Um, so exercise kind of gets that out for me. Um, whereas now I'm a little it's a bit more gentle. Um, I love doing dance videos in my garden. I probably look insane to the neighbours, but that's fine. Um, we'll do that. Um, meditation. Um, I watch a lot of Disney films, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> just That's yeah, fine. Forget my troubles and sing along um, and remember my amazing childhood. Um, and just, and also I would say that having really profound, deep, meaningful conversations with my friends now, not just about sobriety, but about life and meeting people where they are, that really helps me keep motivated because I think, well, now I have the time to really listen to them and really be present and really be engaged. And I want more of that. Like that's the best. So um that definitely keeps me motivated. That connection again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Can you just, you know, backtrack slightly, uh, dancing you piqued my interest, <laughs> dancing videos in the garden. <laughs> Do you want to tell us more? Where where do we find these videos to dance to? <laughs> well, so it's either um, I really like bar, which is like ballet inspired. Um, ah, okay. I, do, I used to do that at the gym quite a lot. Well, oh, squats, squats yeah. and that. Yeah. Really, yeah. Love doing cool. that. Um, <laughs> or I'll just put on some Mariah Carey and just like make up my own dance routines, um, which is hilarious. <laughs> amazing yeah I used to um, I used to dance quite a bit when I was younger and that's also why I liked going out was was to mm-hmm. dance so I'll just like make up routines I often have my friends and family in fits of hysterics from making up routines I made up one to gold by Spandau Ballet which still sends them into hysterics so yeah, it's, just, it's, just for, it's just for 
fun. It's just I love it. I like doing. I love it. But but that's that's great. I mean, because that's what because it took me. I mean, I was really really into music when I was younger, and and that was one of the things that I thought I'd I'd lost. You know, like you know, I can't go to festivals. I can't Mm -hmm. go to raves. I can't you know dance because that's too well it's too it's too much that environment not that I'm triggered but it's just it's not actually that fun to be around loads of people that are completely off their off their face um yeah but like but I had but I do dance at home I do like I put on music and I dance it out or or like we we've met up and been out for you know sort of sober dancing times or and so, yeah, you don't have to lose those things. It, it just changes, doesn't yeah. it? And you might just want like 10 minutes of it and not like 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why it's nice to have the garden dancing. Yeah. yeah. On my on my own terms. Giving oh, exactly. They're probably crying with laughter, but that's great. Everyone, that's yeah. Everyone gets something out okay. of it. Yeah. So yeah. it's fine. And that's another gift of sobriety, right, is you kind of like don't give a shit after a while it's just like no, no, I'm sober so like we did it because we, were, we wanted to not because you were drunk yeah exactly exactly it's like it's more it's more joyful in that way and it's also not going to a club to dance in a particular way mm. to get someone's attention to like try and pull someone it's like no it's just for the sheer joy of it because mm. I like dancing it's not because I'm enjoying being looked at while I'm dancing which mm. I think I definitely did when I was drinking because it's like, oh, who can I kiss tonight? Who can I take home tonight? And now that's kind of fallen away from my life, that way of being. Nothing wrong with that, but I just, no. I'm not interested in it anymore in that kind of sense. So, um, yeah, now dancing is just for me and it's just it's just fun. Yeah, so mm. it's great. Well, I mean, what is it like? You're a young person to us, but what like what is it be, like being a young person and being sober? I mean, how how is that socially socially meeting uh, people? It's 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 okay. It de- it depends on the group of people. Um, I must say, a lot of people are quite interested now. They'll think, oh, why don't you drink? Um, and they don't necessarily want to hear like your sub story or the reasons behind it they're just genuinely quite interested in it um I think because obviously sobriety has become a lot more mainstream so most people want to hear like the benefits or what it's like um and most people I've met have been like yeah that's great like carry on I have had a few people say oh wow I can't believe you managed that social situation without drinking um and I'm like well I think it just it does kind of teach you to be more socially aware and follow different social cues. And then you have to know when your time to leave. That's a really, really important thing. Um, but I found, I found at the beginning it was a bit socializing felt a little bit clunky, a bit, Oh gosh, what do I do with my hand now? I just need a drink here. I just need a diet Coke just to hold something. Yeah. Uh, but once you get over that initial feeling of, Oh, it feels a bit weird. It's fine. And actually Again, it comes back to that connection. People want to have those more meaningful conversations with you because they're like, you do something a little bit different. I want to hear more about that. And then usually they share something about themselves with you, which which I love because um, I'm yeah. so chatterbox. I'm just like, tell me about your life. Like, what's happening? <laughs> <Really amazing. laughs> it's I'm a bit like that. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I had that the other. I was at, um, I went out to a girls' night, and then you know, I sat down and. You know, and you're, the kind of chat progresses and changes over time because, you know, it started like, 
and and you kind of have to suss out the person but I was like oh you know yeah I'm a coach and a, a writer and oh it's a, so uh, oh yeah it's sort of about personal development you see sort of like if it's yeah well I kind of work with women who want to stop drinking and then she was like oh my mum my mum was an alcoholic that's really interesting mm-hmm. and then she just went boom you know and this whole story came out so and I think it was really healing for her and she'd never been to Al-Anon and I, so I could like say you know I've got a friend who's in Paris and you know made a connection so it's like you never know what's just by being truthful and it's not you know sometimes you you do have to read the social cues and sometimes it's like you don't need anything yeah Yeah. so I'm just on antibiotics bye you know I don't but you can sort of say yeah you get quite skillful at like actually well maybe let's let's tell a little bit of truth here and it can be very insightful and Mm -hmm. and helpful to other people Mm -hmm. too yeah so true absolutely and also I find that Obviously, because I'm not drinking, I'm a lot sharper with conversation. So um, I met a friend of a friend a few weekends ago, and she was doing a really interesting um, MA in human trafficking, which is like, oh, my gosh, I was just like, tell me all about this. And then I talked about the work I did on the Savory series, and we were able to really dig into it and talk about, you know, post-colonialism and the treatment of enslaved people and all of that. And I could not have had a, a conversation like that in such detail, had I been three drinks down, there's no way. Um, and she wasn't drinking at that point either. So we were really able to kind of connect and talk about something really interesting. Um, so it allows more of those conversations and you, I guess, to connect with people who have similar interests. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. You're selling it to me. You're selling it to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's good kind of sorting out the wheat from the chaff, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, actually, it <laughs> is. I really like which line are you going to stand in? Yeah. yeah. Are you be my friend, or are you just going to be a knob? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that's what Laura Willoughby always says about dating. You know, it's like, mm. should I should I not put sober on my dating app? And she's like, well, you know, it's a very very um, convenient. Like, what'd she say? like I don't know bull, bullshit filter mm. or dickhead dickhead filter that's yeah. what she said yeah it's just like if they have a problem with you not drinking then that's and like that's enough to like, say yeah. To <laughs> yeah okay so tell us a little bit about your work as a coach what projects you have coming up what yeah how can people work with you so um at the moment I'm in the middle of running mindset boot camp which is a group coaching program so enrollment will open again in the new year in 2021 in January and the idea behind that is to really give women in their 30s a kind of framework to rewire their mindsets and to reach their goals um me being me I did some market research and reached out to loads of women in my age group to, to find out you know what are they struggling with what do they want from their lives? Um, and lots of themes came back, especially around their finances, relationships, and their self-worth. Um, mm. So I created um, like a six-part process to help them uncover and become more self-aware of how they've been holding themselves back, how they've been self-sabotaging, and then supporting them to find their own ways through that. Um, I think it's very much reflected on the process I used on myself whilst becoming sober that process of uncovering why I was drinking what was at the root cause and then finding ways of letting that go and assuming a new identity um, and really getting your mind to work on your side um, so it's been I'm, I'm loving it so much there's such a, a lovely group of women um, 
So after that, I'm developing, well, at the moment, I've got like a one-to-one program, which is called Mindset Revolution, which is a three-month program to really go into reframing your mindset and working towards those goals. So that's what I'm doing um, with coaching. Um, yeah, it's Amazing. Very, very exciting. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. Amazing. Sounds wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I love it. I love that, you know, that, that you know who that your niche is who you can help and you've identified what they need that's you know fantastic yeah and I and we always sort of say you know that that whole sobriety is so much about that kind of self-care and self-leadership isn't it it's like well okay if you're going to do one thing to really kind of cut through the bullshit that we were talking about and to really be able to hear what's going on you know that is it's like it's fundamental isn't it so yeah brilliant yeah okay so we should come to the end um what we always finish with what's your tip of the day and your reason to love sober okay my tip of the day I would say um don't beat yourself up um in the process of deciding to go sober and especially in early sobriety I think women especially who are overachievers like I am. Um, I definitely was very hard on myself in early sobriety. So I'd say, don't beat yourself up. Just take it easy. You can only do so much. Um, just be a bit kinder to yourself. Um, that would be today. Um, and my reason to love sober. So many reasons. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think the main one is that it's kind of. It feels like it sounds quite cheesy it feels like you come back to yourself and you find out who you really are and it enables you to have connection on a completely new and deeper level and I I realized that alcohol never gave me that connection that that connection was always there I just had to follow it and be open and honest with people so that's why I love being sober oh I love it Uh, yeah it's really touched me that and what what um When's your sobriety date? Just to oh, so I got sober on the nineteenth of May, twenty nineteen. So it's just over a year now. Ah, uh, yay! Yeah. Amazing. Yay. Oh, congratulations and thank you. It's been oh, brilliant yeah. and really inspiring. And ah, yeah. oh, like this is why I love doing this podcast. <laughs> you could be like, and then by the end we're like, oh. I love super, super. <laughs> We're the best. I'm having the best time. Um, right. Yeah, so it's it's oh, great. It's amazing re- to meet amazing people. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. And not have to small talk. Let's just talk about real stuff. Yeah. Let's just get down to it. Yeah. And and it isn't that brilliant. It's just like you say. You said so much about connection and the real connection, like. The fact that we, you know, we so often drink because we feel different. Yes. And that's the saddest thing of all because it's that thing that's keeping us separate so much. Absolutely. And that's and it. I love what you said about it. And once you kind of clock that, and that was the, once I kind of made that mindset shift and realised that alcohol added nothing to my life. Yeah. Now sobriety doesn't feel like a chore. It feels more mm. it's a joy. It's, yeah. it's yeah. wonderful. So, yeah, I love it. I wish I'd done it earlier. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. When you're like, when you're like writing, it's like I've been in sober spaces for you know eight years, sober for three. <laughs> I've been sober curious since two thousand and two. That's like, oh my god, like eighteen years or whatever. But we got there in the end, so that's okay. Yeah. And, and and do you know what I love it is because I mean my kids now obviously having a sober mum, you know, like one's like. I don't know I certainly won't drink till I'm 18 and then I'll try it and see and the other one's like I don't think I'll ever drink and I'm like well we'll see but there's no way that I had any concept of not drinking Mm. and so it just seems like every generation that goes down it just gets a little bit easier and a little bit younger and it's a little bit like well you know and that's all it is it's like each to their own do whatever you want but let's just sort of all sit at the same table and be able to sober yeah just Mm. if you want to do it you do it if you don't then you you don't have to and that's how it should be so I find it really encouraging so (laughs) thank you very much yeah yeah, so we're going to finish up now so um Kate do you want to finish off you you like doing the little okay well, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, obviously reach out to us, uh, info at lovesober.com or um, ask your GP. Um, Soberistas has anonymous Ask the Doctor service. Alcohol change has lots and lots of stuff going on. We're, um, we've got a parenting SOS guide going up on Alcohol Change website, just if people need a bit of help over the summer holidays. Mandy, you look like you were going to say something then. Nope. Oh, no. Okay. So, yeah, the message really is just, reach out you know find a group keep trying to you find your fit like Ella said it's about so much about belonging and connection and you will find somewhere that that you fit and um, just uh, yeah send up that flare and stay safe and we'll see you next week for more chat